What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. This isn't going to be a long episode. I'm currently recording this on the night of 4th of July. So I'm trying to beat the fireworks before it gets too loud and you guys start hearing it in the microphone. So on this episode, we're going to be discussing why the Carolina Panthers should not trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, the biggest problem with the Las Vegas Raiders that everybody is overlooking, who will be the NFL's most improved player in 2022, and why Rashard White is going to be a monster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, Welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore and on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. Lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. NFL training camp is only a few weeks away and Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo have yet to be traded. And there are many people out there who feel that the Carolina Panthers could be one of the teams to make a move for one of these two quarterbacks. Now, I already made a segment previously explaining why I feel Baker Mayfield would be a good fit for the Carolina Panthers if they were to trade for him. A lot of Panthers fans gave me a lot of blowback, but I think that we can all agree with the narrative that Jimmy Garoppolo getting traded to Carolina would be a huge mistake on the behalf of the Carolina Panthers. Listen, Jimmy Garoppolo, in his five seasons being the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, he's only had, what, one or two seasons when he's been able to stay fully healthy? And if you're Matt Rule... It just doesn't make a lot of sense to trade for a quarterback that has a extensive history with injuries. And with your job security being on the line, why would you feel comfortable putting yourself in position? Imagine you being on the hot seat and you saying, you know what, I'm going to go out there and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback who can't stay healthy. If I was Matt Rule, I would want to trade for a quarterback that could stay healthy and give me a good chance of being able to make it to the playoffs. And even when Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, he's not really that great of a quarterback. Now, some Panthers fans are going to say, well, JT's better than Baker, he's better than Baker Mayfield because he had more success in the postseason. Listen, Jimmy Garoppolo was carried by the San Francisco 49ers, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo is like, when you get assigned the group project in school and you have that one person in the group who doesn't do no work, he barely contributes and just benefits from the rest of the group doing all the work and gets a good grade, that was Jimmy Garoppolo. He benefited from having one of the best play callers in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan and having a phenomenal supporting cast around him. You see... Jimmy Garoppolo is a average to below average quarterback. I'm not going to say that he's a terrible quarterback. He is capable of being able to win you a couple of games if you do give him a great team around him. But really, there are three tiers of quarterbacks. You have elite quarterbacks who elevate the players that they have around them. They also make the guy calling the plays look like a genius. Then you have average and above average quarterbacks. These quarterbacks are only good as the play caller that they have and the team that they have around him. 
And below average quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, they just need everything to work in their favor for them to have success. And for the 49ers, if you go back and you look at their playoff runs from last year and the year they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, they didn't ask Jimmy Garoppolo to do that much. All they needed him to do was to take care of the football and do a good job handing the football off to the running backs. He didn't really need to do all that much. But when you put Jimmy Garoppolo in situations where he needs to carry a team to a victory, he cannot do it on a consistent basis. And I don't think that the Carolina Panthers, a team that has a lot of concerns when it comes to their coaching staff. We don't know if Ben McAdoo is a good offensive coordinator. I didn't really like his work when he was the head coach of the New York Giants. And I'm not really a big fan of Ben McAdoo. So I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo with the Carolina Panthers would be all that great of a fit, considering the fact that this is somebody who just needs the perfect scenario for it to all work well. And then on top of that, Jimmy Garoppolo... Yes, he has had some high moments, but he has also had a lot lot of subpar performances. There is a reason why the 49ers gave up so much to trade up for Trey Lance. Because Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't stay healthy. You see, why would you invest a draft pick, which could be a potential starter, into a quarterback who cannot consistently stay healthy and doesn't consistently give you good quarterback play. In today's NFL, if you're trying to compete for a championship, you got to have good quarterback play. Because you look at all of these young guns that are now starting to enter the NFL, such as Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you got to have some elite quarterback play to keep up with some of these teams. And for the Carolina Panthers... Giving you Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't really think that's the answer. You have a quarterback who isn't mobile. When things break down, that's it. You also have a quarterback who isn't great under pressure, and he doesn't really have that good of an arm. So if you were to ask me who should the Carolina Panthers trade for, Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, I would say Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that can do a little bit more than Jimmy Garoppolo. He has some mobility. He has a stronger arm. And this is also somebody who can get it done with less, not having an ideal situation. So for Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that the best scenario for him probably is to stay on the 49ers, wait for some injuries to occur, and then maybe see how things are looking come the midway point of the NFL season. But him getting traded to the Carolina Panthers, I just think would be an absolute disaster. And the Carolina Panthers do have a pretty solid group when it comes to the wide receiving core. You got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall, Rashad Higgins. You got CMC in the backfield along with Chuba Hubbard back him up. And off the line also has improved. However, I don't really think that Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to make things shake with the Carolina Panthers considering the fact that he also is going to have to elevate the play calling as well because good quarterbacks can make a bad play call turn into a great play call. They can still get something out of it. For Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not that kind of quarterback. So for the Carolina Panthers, if you're Matt Rule, I would stay as far away from Jimmy Garoppolo as possible. Now, maybe if the 49ers release Jimmy Garoppolo, then I potentially would look into signing him and bringing him in. However, 
if you can't get Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo is the best that you can do, you might as well go ahead, stick with Sam Darnold, let him see what he could do the first couple of weeks of this season. And if things don't work out, then you go ahead and you insert Matt Corral into the starting quarterback role. Or you can do what I suggested after the draft and start Matt Corral week one because I think that Matt Corral was one of the best quarterbacks in this past year's NFL draft. And I think the only reason why his draft stock fell so far was because of the injury that he suffered in that bowl game. So for me, I view Matt Corral as a first-round quarterback. I felt as if Carolina got a huge steal when they drafted him, and I think that he gives the Carolina Panthers the best chance to make it to the playoffs this season unless you're able to get a Baker Mayfield. But if you get Baker Mayfield and you have to trade for him, does that say more about Matt Corral? Or does that say more about Matt Rule feeling a lot of pressure this season and knowing that there is a strong possibility that he may not return as the head coach in Carolina? I just don't really see Jimmy Garoppolo working well with the Carolina Panthers. He is a limited quarterback who needs a lot of things to go right. I just think that the Carolina Panthers would make a huge mistake if they were to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. The Las Vegas team, the Las Vegas Raiders are one of the teams that a lot of people are excited to watch this season. They traded for Devontae Adams. They're going to be pairing him up with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. You got Josh Jacobs in the backfield at running back. And you have Derek Carr, who I believe is the most underrated and the most underappreciated quarterback in the NFL. If it wasn't for Derek Carr last season, the Las Vegas Raiders would have not been able to turn their season around and they wouldn't have made it to the playoffs. I think that Derek Carr deserves a lot more respect. And when you look at the Raiders' offense on paper, This is a really talented offense. However, there's a big problem that a lot of people are overlooking and a lot of people in the national media are not talking about this problem when it comes to this offense. And that is the offensive line. Now, this was one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last season. And it didn't really improve all that much over this offseason. And I've been going back and forth with a lot of Las Vegas Raiders fans. And their two counter arguments are, JT, we went to the playoffs last season with this offensive line being this bad. We can do it again. And then the second counter argument is that, man, JT, the Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year with a bad offensive line. We can do the same. Here's the thing. Winning with a bad offensive line is not sustainable for long-term success in the NFL, especially when you're playing inside the best division in the NFL. This is the same division that has Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack coming at you off the edge. Good luck with that if you're Alex Leatherwood, who struggled at right tackle last season, who had to get moved to guard one-fourth of a way throughout the 2021 season. Then you have the Broncos, who already had a really good defense last season. Now they finally have a legitimate franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. And we already know about the Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're the Las Vegas Raiders, with this offensive line, I feel Raiders fans are trying to talk themselves into believing into this offensive line. 
And I already know that this segment is going to get a lot of hate and a lot of backlash from Las Vegas Raiders fans. This is just going to be one of those segments that I just upload and don't even read the comments because I already know a lot of people are going to go right into defense mode. But take your bias aside from a second, right? You see, Raiders fans also have to believe that they could pull off what Cincinnati did last season. Let me tell you something. What Cincinnati did last season was the equivalent to you or me winning the lottery. It may possibly may never, ever happen again. What Cincinnati did last year was a phenomenon. It's kind of like one of those rare solar eclipses that you only have that occurs once every a million years. And for the Cincinnati Bengals, they have Joe Brr at quarterback. The Las Vegas Raiders have Derek Carr at quarterback. And that's not a start against Derek Carr. That's just saying that Joe Burrow is in a different stratosphere than Derek Carr. I don't think Derek Carr could pull off what Joe Burrow did last season with the Cincinnati Bengals. On top of that, if the Cincinnati Bengals were able to win with a bad offensive line, I'm pretty sure they would have retained their whole entire starters from last year on that unit. There's a reason why they have four new starters on the offensive line this year because they knew that with the Baltimore Ravens getting back fully healthy, the Browns getting better, the Steelers getting better, they had to step up their game. And they had to improve their offensive line to protect their franchise quarterback. And for the Las Vegas Raiders... You weren't able to improve your offensive line this offseason. Now, it's not Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler's fault. It's Mike Mayock and John Gruden's fault for putting this offensive line in the current situation that it's in right now with poor decisions when it came to the draft and missing on a lot of draft picks. So for Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff, they have said a lot of times throughout training camp, well, throughout mini camp and OTAs, that they're going to be experimenting with different schemes and finding out ways to get the most out of what they have on the off the line. And all these experiments are going to be taking place throughout training camp. So anytime you hear your head coach or anybody on your coaching staff talking about how they have to experiment with different schemes to get the most out of their offensive line, that is not good. And Raiders fans are saying that You know, JT, with the coaching staff, we're going to be able to have Josh McDaniels and his staff come together and come up with a game plan to improve this off the line. Listen, I don't care how good of a head coach you are. If your off the line is bad, there's only really so much you can do for it to improve. Because there are certain positions in football that having a great scheme can't make up for it. And the offensive line is one of those things. Okay, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to be able to have guys who can block Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Bradley Chubb, and Randy Gregory off the edge. It doesn't matter how good of a scheme you have. At the end of the day, your offensive linemen have to be able to win those one-on-one matchups. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. And for the Las Vegas Raiders, you look at their off-the-line situation outside of Colton Miller, it doesn't look good. Now, they do have a good amount of depth, but that's really only because there's not really a difference between the guys who could end up starting versus their potential backups. So for the Las Vegas Raiders, they're in a really bad situation when it comes to this offensive line. And a lot of the people are not talking about it. And a lot of the Raiders fans just keep 
throwing it off just because they were able to have success last year. The AFC West was not as good last season as it is this season. The AFC West is going to be a gauntlet. Everybody is going to have their trials and tribulations in this division. A lot of people are having a tough time picking who's even going to win this division. But I definitely feel that there is a good chance that the Las Vegas Raiders end up finishing in last place due to their lack of talent on this offensive line. And as I mentioned earlier, even if this coaching staff is able to somewhat able to squeeze a little bit of juice out of this unit, they're not going to go from terrible to elite. At best, they go from terrible to above average, maybe slightly above that, but that's only barring the miracle. And really, how good this offensive line is going to be is really going to be heavily dependent on how much Alex Leatherwood develops over the course of this offseason if he gets the nod at right tackle, which it looks as if he's going to get another opportunity because there were a lot of reports coming out of minicamp and OTAs that Alex Leatherwood was getting a lot of reps at right tackle. So if Alex Leatherwood improves in year two, then this offensive line definitely could be pretty good. Now, you're still going to have some questions when it comes to your offensive guard spots. I don't know if you want to start John Simpson again. He also was another draft pick that the Las Vegas Raiders, along with John Gruden and Mike Mayock, whiffed on. So even if you get your right tackle situation taken care of and Alex Leatherwood ends up living up to where he was drafted at in the first round, you still have to figure out what you're going to do at left and right guard. Now, many people feel that Denzel Good is going to be able to come back fully healthy and also play a factor into this off the line, stepping up their game in 2022. And yes, him going down to that ACL injury week one of the regular season last year did kind of play a role in why this off the line struggled. But let's not act as if he was a great offensive lineman. Raiders fans make it seem as if Denzel Good was this Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman when he was average at best. So even with him coming back, is he really going to be a dramatic upgrade on this offensive line? Good enough from it being almost one of the worst in the NFL to one of, if not the top 12 units in this league? I don't really know. So you have offensive guard Dylan Parham, who you drafted in the third round out of the University of Memphis. A lot of people have been raving about him. A lot of Raiders fans and a lot of people inside of Las Vegas organization feel that Parham has a good chance in the starting at one of those offensive guard spots. Now, remember that Parham is a swing guard. He can play both left and right guard. So I think that there's a pretty good possibility that we could end up seeing him start day one come week one of the regular season. But for the Las Vegas Raiders, this off the line is not good. And a lot of people keep overlooking it. And they just think that just because the Cincinnati Bengals were able to have so much success last season with their offensive line problems that every team can replicate that. And that's not true. What the Bengals did last season was a phenomenal. The chances of that happening again are the same chances that me and you and everybody else in this world have at winning the lottery, less than 1%. So I definitely feel 
that this offensive line is going to hold back this offense. And if I'm wrong and this offensive line ends up being average or slightly above average, the Las Vegas Raiders could have a top 10, maybe top five offense this year. But you guys let me know what you guys think about the Las Vegas Raiders offensive line down in the comment section down below. Who would be the NFL's most improved player this upcoming season? Now, you have a lot of players who you could choose from. For me, I think it's going to be Tua Tagovailoa. I think Tua, now with the fact that you have a offensive-minded head coach in Mike McDaniel, and you improve the offensive line by signing Connor Williams, you sign left tackle Teron Armstead, this offensive line is going to be the best that it has ever been since Tua became the starting quarterback in Miami. On top of that, you bring in a lot of running backs, such as Raheem Mostert. You bring in Sony Michelle. You also have a running back that you got from the Arizona Cardinals and Chase Edmonds, who I think is going to be their all-around back. I think he's going to be the best pass-catching back that they currently have on the roster, so he's also going to be utilized. You also traded for star wide receiver and Tyreek Hill. You pair him up with Jalen Waddle, and you also have Mike Kosecki. You have a really good offense. And then you have Cedric Wilson on the outside. So this offense is probably going to be the most talented that Tua Tagovailoa ever had. And then Miami also has a really good defense. Now, I also think that Trey Lance could also take some major steps forward this season. He didn't really see a lot of action last season, and when he did, he wasn't really all that bad compared to the quarterback play that we got out of Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence. Trey Lance was actually pretty good, and I think out of all of the quarterbacks that are going into year two of their careers— I think that Trey Lance is in the best situation. You have one of the best play callers in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan. You have a really good group of wide receivers. You got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. You're going to have George Kittle at tight end. Now, the offensive line is a little bit of a concern to me. But I do think that with the coaching staff that the Niners have, they are going to improve that. And they do have some guys who are going to end up stepping in who they have a lot of confidence in. And you're also going to be somebody who's going to be heavily predicated on running the football. So for Trey Lance, I think that with his mobility and what he can do with his arm strength, being able to throw from any platform on any side of the field, I think that he also could improve a lot this year. Trevor Lawrence. I said this a couple of days ago, but if Trevor Lawrence ends up improving and becoming the quarterback that we all envisioned, he could be when the Jacksonville Jaguars selected him number one overall in the 2021 NFL draft. There's no reason why the Jaguars can't go from worst to first in the AFC South this year. Plus, you have Doug Peterson, somebody who does have a pretty good track record when it comes to developing quarterbacks. He did a really good job with Carson Wentz, and also he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Now, if you want to give that credit to Frank Wright, go ahead, but I just think that it's a little bit ignorant to just say that Doug Peterson didn't have no impact at all in the development of Carson Wentz. He also had a good impact on the the downfall of Carson Wentz, But overall, I think that Doug Peterson is a pretty good coach. And I think with the Jacksonville Jaguars improving their wide receiving core, 
adding Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, pairing him up with Marvin Jones. Even though this wide receiving core isn't great, I still think that is better compared to what Trevor Lawrence was throwing to last year. Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown to Tavon Austin last season, guys. Tavon Austin. When is the last time you heard Tavon Austin's name? Probably not since he was playing at West Virginia back in 2012 and when he was drafted in the first round by the LA Rams and 2013. So the fact that he was throwing to guys such as Tavon Austin and Laquan Treadwell tells you everything you need to know about how bad the receiving court was for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones could surprise us. Daniel Jones is in a really good situation with the New York Jets. You drafted Evan Neal. You're going to be pairing him up with Andrew Thomas. You have a really good offensive tackle situation. The interior of your offensive line still needs some work. But you have Brian Dable, who looks to be really promising as a head coach. He was one of the best play callers in the NFL. During his time as OC for the Buffalo Bills, he was instrumental in the development of Josh Allen into what he is now. So I think that Daniel Jones now is in a situation where there's no excuses. You have Kadarius Toney. Hopefully he can stay healthy. You have Kenny Galladay on the outside. You're going to have Saquon Barkley fully healthy once again. This is a Giants offense that has all of the weapons. And they have all the pieces around Daniel Jones for him to be successful. Now, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is another quarterback that could improve a lot this season. Because last year, in his first season, being the true starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, he took them to the playoffs. Albeit, you know, he had some pretty up-and-down performances throughout the 2021 season. There were a lot of ugly performances that the Eagles had when it came to throwing the football However, you bring in A.J. Brown, you pair him up with Devontae Smith, you have one of the better wide receiving duos in the NFL, you got tight end Dallas Goddard, you have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, I think that Jalen Hurts could take some tremendous step forwards, and on top of that, if Jalen Hurts ends up improving as a passer, and you couple that with his ability to run the football at a really high level, I think that he could end up being a dark horse MVP candidate. Now, that all depends on how successful Philadelphia is this season. But I think that if Jalen Hurts takes that next step up as a passer, because last season I think he was a below average passer. He, If he becomes a above average passer, I'm not saying that he has to be Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. But if he can just become a above average passer, I think that he could end up having a really great season. And with trading for A.J. Brown and having Devontae Smith there, it's going to help make his development a little bit more easier. What about non-quarterback? Gabriel Davis. This is somebody who went off in the playoffs for the Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. This guy had over 200 receiving yards. He was unstoppable. And going into this season... With the Buffalo Bills, he's in a prime spot for him to end up having a season where maybe he goes over 1,000 yards because 
Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the league. He's already going to get a lot of attention. He's going to be seeing double teams. So Gabriel Davis is going to be that guy who the Buffalo Bills are going to be relying on when Stephon Diggs ends up getting doubled and triple teamed. And I think with how explosive Gabriel Davis is, I think he can end up being there for a breakout season this year. What about Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith? Irv Smith, we've been hearing this name for over the last couple of years since the Minnesota Vikings first drafted him out of Alabama. And really, I feel as if the previous regime underutilized Irv Smith. They didn't really know how to use his skill set. Now you have Kevin O'Connell, who comes from that Sean McVay coaching tree, along with Zach Taylor. I think with this moving, with the Minnesota Vikings moving to a more pass-first offense, That's going to benefit Irv Smith. So he can end up being the most improved player in the NFL from a non-quarterback position. What about the defensive side of the football? J.C. Horn. I don't know if you really would qualify him for this discussion, but, I mean, he got injured last season. And with him coming back, a lot of people kind of forgot about J.C. Horn. If he ends up being as good as what a lot of people envision him being when he got drafted by the Carolina Panthers a year ago, I think he can end up being a top 10 cornerback and having a huge impact on that Carolina Panthers defense this season. Also, another cornerback that I love a lot is Kelvin Joseph with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, he currently has some legal complications going on, but if those end up working in his favor and he ends up being able to play for the Dallas Cowboys this season, he most likely is going to be a starter. I thought he would have been a starter last year, but he ended up having some injuries that held him back. But when he was on the field, he was really productive. He made a couple of solid plays for the Dallas Cowboys on the defensive side of the football. So you have him that I really like a lot. And then you have Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, we've talked more about Javon Kinlaw's off-the-field drama versus how much we talked about him on the field. But he's coming off a season-ending injury last season. I still have a lot of faith in Javon Kinlaw. I think that he's been doing a lot of good things this offseason, minus the beef that he had with that 49ers reporter. There's been a lot of 49ers coaches who have said a lot of good things about him in terms of where he's at in his development. I think that Javon Kinlaw could end up popping off this season, and if he does, I think he definitely deserves to end up winning the Most Improved Player Award if the NFL ever was to have one. So those are a couple of players that I believe could be in the running for the NFL's most improved player this upcoming season in 2022. So over 4th of July weekend, I had a friend that was over and he had a couple of drinks in him. So he was a little bit under the influence, but he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. And he came in my room. He was saying, man, JT, how about them Buccaneers, man? We looking pretty good this year. And I was like, you know, you guys always look pretty good. And he was like, man, we got this new running back out of what school he's from, JT. He couldn't really say his name. He was like, Richard, Richard. And I was like, Richard White. He was like, yeah, yeah, him out of Arizona State. I was like, yeah, I like Richard White. And it got me to thinking. Because I kind of almost forgot about Rashad White because he was one of my favorite running back prospects coming out of this past year's NFL draft. I think that Rashad White is going to be an absolute monster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was drafted in the third round out of Arizona State. He's six foot, 
Some websites have him listed at 6'2", but most websites have him listed at 6'214 pounds. Listen, he has great vision, good patience. He allows blocks to develop. The only cons that people have about Rashad White is the fact that he runs a little bit high because he's pretty long and lengthy for a running back. So with him running high, he's prone to taking a lot of big hits. It also doesn't really make him all that great when it comes to being able to run in between the tackles. And despite him running a 4-4-8, when you look at his film, he doesn't really look like a burner, but he does have really good hands. He was one of the best running backs in the Pac-12 last season and 2021. He accounted for 30% of Arizona State's total offense last season. And I think with him being a great pass catcher out of the backfield, I think that he's going to have a pretty significant role in the passing game right away for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. Because all of us know that Tom Brady loves throwing those check downs to his running backs. You remember when he had James Wright back during his playing days with the New England Patriots? James White made a living playing with Tom Brady. So with a running back that has Rashad White's kind of skill set, I think that if you're Brian Leftwich in Tampa Bay, I don't see how you could keep Rashad White off the field. Now, I understand that Leonard Fournette is still there. Even though Ronald Jones left, Leonard Fournette kind of phased out Ronald Jones with how good he was, and Leonard Fournette is still going to be the primary running back. However, Rashad White is a better pass catcher than Leonard Fournette. He's also better when it comes to running running routes from the running back position, and you can also line him out, out wide also. And last season... Rashad White for Arizona State had 43 receptions, 456 receiving yards, and averaged 10.6 yards per reception. He also averaged 462 yards after the catch during his time at Arizona State. So this is somebody who is really good once he gets the ball in his hands. And once he gets into the open field, he's really hard for defensive backs such as cornerbacks and safeties to bring down. So I think that Rashad White has a lot of potential with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he had a really good minicamp. A lot of Buccaneers reporters were raving about him. Now, the question is, can he end up beating out Keyshawn Vaughn for that second running back spot in training camp? I think that he will simply for the fact that he's currently the best pass catcher that the Buccaneers have on their roster. Now, you do have Giovanni Bernard, but he's in his 30s. He's pretty much on the downcline for running back. So when you look at Rashad White, he has a lot of potential. Now, he may not be a game-breaker when it comes to elite speed and stuff like that, but he's really shifty, pretty agile for his size. I think that this season, he should have a little bit of a role in this offense. I think that he is going to be a little bit involved when it comes to the passing game. You're probably not going to leave him in when it comes to third down situations because his pass blocking does need to improve but a lot of the issues with Rashad White I think can easily be coached up so for Tampa Bay I think that you got a stud and Rashad White I think that he can be a phenomenal complimentary piece to Leonard Fournette and also 
I think that he can end up having some games where he ends up having a significant amount of carries because as we already know, Leonard Fournette is never really able to stay healthy throughout the whole entire regular season. He always has a couple of weeks that he ends up getting banged up. And during those weeks when Leonard Fournette gets banked up, I think we could see Rashad White step in and have pretty big games. And he's playing behind pretty much the best off the line in the NFL when it comes to pass blocking and running blocking. So maybe I'm a little bit biased because I love Rashad White. I was a big fan of his game. When he was playing for Arizona State, I watched a lot of Pac-12 football simply for the fact that they play so late in the night, and I'm a football nerd. I just love watching football. I always came away super impressed with Rashad White. This is somebody who is really good when he gets to the second level, and even though you do have concerns about how good he can be in between the tackles, you are getting somebody who's really good when it comes to running outside the tackles. So if you're Tampa Bay and you're Brian Leftwich and you want to implement some zone runs into your offense, that can bring a different dimension to your offense as well. So I think with Rashad White, man, even if he doesn't get a lot of carries this season for the Buccaneers, I think that he's going to get a lot of work in the passing game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And even though the Buccaneers are pretty stacked at wide receiver with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans and company I still think that with Tom Brady he always puts a lot of emphasis on getting the football to his running backs because it's pretty much easy yards all you need is for your running back to run what a three yard swing you get the ball out to him fast and that's an easy five six yard pickup so for Tom Brady I think that he's absolutely going to love Rashad White and I am excited to see what Rashad White does for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season I'm going to be picking him up on all of my fantasy football teams. I don't play dynasty football when it comes to fantasy. I don't know how to get into dynasty. Somebody hopefully can point me in the right direction in the comment section. But I love Rashad White's game, man. Great size. He's a patient runner. And also, when he gets into the open field, he's really hard to bring down with that size. I'm a big fan of Rashad White's game. I could definitely see him having a little bit of a role carved out for him in this offense. It all really comes down to can he beat out Keyshawn Vaughn for that RB2 spot behind Leonard Fournette. So... Let me know how you guys feel about Rashad White down in the comment section down below. How good do you guys feel he can be for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? He has a lot of potential. And if he ends up reaching that potential, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could have one of the best running backs in the NFL within the next three to four years, depending on how he develops and how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers continue to use him. But I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast, available on all podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available.